Welcome to Alchemy Uncensored, a podcast presented by Alchemy Search, a team of professional financial and tax recruiters. Our podcast is dedicated to providing valuable insights into the financial and tax sector of the UE by discussing the challenges and opportunities faced by employers and job seekers. Alchemy Uncensored is the perfect podcast for those looking to gain a competitive edge in the finance, accounting and tax industry of the UE. Stay informed on the latest job market trends, developments and conversations to stay ahead of the game. Tune into our podcast to be part of this insightful conversation. Hi everyone, I'm Conor McHugh, founder of Alchemy Search. And I'm joined today by Dinesh Jangid, who is the first ever Global Council member of the ACCA, with over 20 years of experience in the consulting and insurance space, serving clients across India, Middle East, Far East, and the UK. He was one of the founding members of the market-leading accounting advisory practice in KPMG in India. In the Middle East, he has also led some of the largest IFRS convergence and accounting change projects. Most recently, before joining Unicus, Dinesh led the Audit Innovation Center at KPMG in India, focusing on developing tools for external audits, as well as implementation of data analytics driven audit approaches. Dinesh, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me here today, yeah. and it's a pleasure to be here with no, you today. Great to have you. You're looking very sharp. Thank you very much. <laughs> you too. <laughs> it's, it's easy to polish a diamond, as I say. <laughs> um, but Dinesh, you know, Unicus, you know, new kid on the block. How's it all been? Tell us all about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I couldn't have asked for a better start to my entrepreneur journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Having worked in uh, KPMG for more than a decade gave me a nice platform to understand the consulting market, not just in India, but other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So that gave me a very nice platform to then launch something which is a bit more niche, which Mm -hmm. more focusing on specific service offerings Mm -hmm. and a bit more personal to me because... You know, unlike KPMG, which is a partnership firm, Unicus yeah. is a corporation yeah. where the partners are real equity shareholders. So yeah, to yeah. be good to be belonging Skin in to the game. a company. Absolutely. So tell me more about like Unicus. So, you know, when did it all set up in Dubai? You know, how long have you been here? How's it all been? So we, we started our operations in, the, in Dubai on 1st of May. Yeah. Uh, that's when our first uh, office in DIFC opened. In DIFC, yeah. Lovely office. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. So that's our first, uh, and we have a couple of more offices coming up shortly. First, uh, the next one is going to be in Abu Dhabi. Brilliant. And the third one is going to be in Riyadh. Oh, so wow. Really so you're going straight away. Yes. Nice and yes. aggressive. So there'll be three physical offices maybe in the first 12 months? Yes. Is the plans. Wow. Yes. And we would have about 20 people by the end of the year, Brilliant. including eight partner directors. Brilliant. Brilliant. And for you then, the partners, have you brought people from other parts of the world or how's the... How's the hiring been? Challenging? Yeah, I mean, uh, talent obviously is a is a big challenge for consulting market mm-hmm. in general. But thankfully for us, uh, we have big differentiators, which yep. I'll talk about later today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of those, we, we have been able to attract good talent and good. very smart talent, uh, mostly from large consulting firms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mostly big four. Yeah. On the ESG side, we have been able to also get uh, very, very... Uh, very, very high-profile leader from industry as well. Brilliant, brilliant. And then for you personally, as you said, 
you know, being Mr. KPMG for so long, effectively, you know, coming into Unicus, like, was the what was the big driver? Just a new challenge, you know, something exciting. Obviously, Unicus has you know money behind it. There's you know all those things is all added up together to make the move. Yeah, I mean, uh, firstly, I always uh, love new challenges. Yeah. And if you look at my career, I've always uh, tried to do something different. Mm-hmm. Whether it is, uh, you know, I was the employee number one in KPMG's accounting advisory services in India. Yeah. When I joined KPMG, there was no accounting advisory industry in India. So that was the first for me. Number one. Absolutely. Big population in India, so you're, <laughs> you're, you're well ahead of the rest then. Absolutely. So that, that, and, then, and then if you look at over a period of time, uh, I've done lots of different things. Uh, so um, the, the, the partner that I was reporting to, Jamil, he became the global head of accounting advisory for KPMG. Yeah. And incidentally, he's also the co-founder of Unicus. So I've been working with him over a period of time. Okay. So when he was the head of accounting advisory for KPMG, I was running the PMO. So okay. in a way, I was managing the profit and loss for... Uh, this is one of the uh, largest service line for KPMG globally. So that was one of the first. Okay. And then, uh, then after a while, last two years in KPMG, I, I became the head of technology and data analytics for the audit part of the business. Yeah, yeah. So again, something new I tried to do. Good. And then I thought, you know, now is the time to get into a bit more entrepreneurial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bit more, bit more enterprising. Yeah. And that's where I thought uh, Unicus is a great platform, no, and good. and all the. Um, uh, known people yeah that really helps and that's how uh, it's been over a period of time well yeah kpmg that's uh that's where all the great start i started my career in kpmg but i would think that uh the global kpmg would have a very different outlook of me as an employee compared to you i think i was a uh, four years audit and then uh, i left but uh now it was a great place to learn uh, yeah i think so. i think the the foundation is very important yeah so if you if, if your foundation is strong then I think your uh, growth can be uh, multiplied uh, very quickly. Yeah. Now, I think if I was reporting into you, maybe I wouldn't last too long. (laughs) 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 Um, No, perfect. Well, look, definitely keen to find a bit more about Unicus. You know, know, the next question, obviously, in consulting, consulting is booming in this part of the world. Um, You know, there's so many companies that need fixing, restructuring, you name it. It is crazy like for us last year i'd say 30 percent of our revenue was just pure consultancies um so you know for our less listeners you know what areas are unicus focused on what service lines and again i know you touched on the geographies a bit earlier but you know just give us more of a, a bird's eye view so we are focusing on two service offerings uh, mm-hmm. one is accounting advisory or accounting or reporting consulting mm-hmm. as we call it which is obviously uh, an area where i've worked all my career yeah so that that comes naturally to us. And second, we wanted to focus on a service offering of the future, yep. which is the ESG consulting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we believe the, the growth that we've had in accounting advisory over the last decade, uh, decade and a half, we see that happening, same thing, maybe, maybe multiplied by multiple acts mm-hmm. in ESG going forward. Mm-hmm. So these are the two service offerings that we are offering, but we are going very deep in these two service offerings. Yeah. An inch wide and a mile deep, as I say. Yes. Yeah. Um, so on accounting and uh, accounting and reporting, we do pre- pretty much everything that, let's say, uh, Big Four does, from technical accounting advisory, yeah. IFRS, US GAAP, to uh, accounting and reporting in mergers and acquisitions, whether okay. it's car out, purchase price allocations, or any other restructuring uh, uh, advice that a client may need from accounting, reporting, consulting. Okay. Then we offer internal control. Or okay. Sarbanes or Oxley for 
uh, yeah, US-listed US clients, clients yeah. uh, or you know, training services. We help clients prepare for IPOs okay, in yeah. different markets. The, so. you're, in the, you're in the part of the world, I think every second company in Abu Dhabi wants to IPO. Exactly. exactly. And so with that then, just dig it in for our listeners who are auditors now. Let's just say you're doing an ex- external audit. What is the big difference from doing your day-to-day audit to being, to being in this part of the business, in the advisory side? What, what day-to-day? Is it possible? Are the sort of people you're looking for coming from an audit background that want to sort of go down to this service line. So what would be the sort of key differences day to day then for that person? I would say uh, audit ex- experience, uh, being a consultant, the audit experience really helps mm-hmm. because in audit, you really get into the hardcore yep. reviewing the transaction, looking at the internal control over those transactions and then uh, tracing them back to how they are being reported in the financial statement. So mm-hmm. this whole end-to-end review really helps. It basically helps clear your understanding. Mm-hmm. While on the consulting side, it's more about uh, being part of the management, Mm -hmm. trying to understand the business rationale uh, objective of the client, and then trying to figure out what is the best way to structure the transaction. Yeah. So audit is is a little bit of uh, a post-factor or post-mortem. Yeah. The transaction has happened. How do you really account for it, report it, and audit it? Yeah, yeah. But consulting, a lot of the times is you get involved during the transaction phase where you work with the management to structure the transaction to make sure they're not lending up with uh, unintended consequences for a company. So are you pretty much like an internal audit within the business, so to speak? So your Uh, external audit, obviously, as you said, is after year end. The guys come in, check the numbers, financial statements agreed. Well, you're... I guess service is more... You're actually within the business when things are actually happening, making sure it's going correctly. Absolutely. Especially from a technical standpoint as well. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay, good, good, good. And then, you know, with the, the ESG piece, again, I think anyone that's looking at LinkedIn, they surely have seen ESG means at some point. And even myself, I was like, what is this? Um, so, you know, we will go into a lot more, but in general, like, how would you position ESG, like, you know, in this market, you know, sustainability, it's obviously the big thing, especially in UE, renewables, is that you know for some of the reason why you're going after this space? Yeah, as I said at the beginning, uh, sustainability and ESG consulting is the service line of the future. Yeah, uh, we 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 see that uh, the the boom that we have seen, whether mm-hmm. it's capital markets or accounting advisor in general, mm-hmm. we will see that going forward in ESG as well. Mm-hmm. And in, especially in this part of the world, uh, because of the COP28 happening later this year, and because of the so much focus that the government is also, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pushing towards uh, uh, corporations and, and companies around uh, sustainability, around uh, reporting, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. And therefore, I believe uh, there is a very significant opportunity for. Uh, even accountants, obviously, yeah. ESG is much broader than reporting. Yeah, just accountants. But still, so. for accountants, I think it's a huge opportunity for them to get used to it. Because eventually, uh, we believe uh, the, the gap reporting, which mm-hmm. is the accounting reporting, and the non-gap reporting, of which ESG is a part of, are eventually going to converge. Okay, so yeah, yeah. if you are in finance domain, I think it's, it's very, yeah, very well, important that you uh, get for, used to it. For me personally, obviously, we speak to people every day in finance, Obviously, there's so much negativity in finance now around AI yeah, and jobs that are going to be gone. You know, if you're just doing maybe this back office job in five years, that job's gone. We don't know, but let's see. But that's why I think ESG is so attractive because, you know, maybe if I was 10 years younger, maybe just doing my exams, it sounds like ESG is, you know, the growth area where, you know, you're not going to be replaced by a... Uh, 
a robot or whatever it might be in a couple of years' time. So I think even for a lot of our finance listeners, newly qualified, doing their exams, or even a couple of years post-qualified, that this space, you know, by the sounds of it, it's obviously going to be here to stay. Um, and it could be this growth area, which I think people can get into. I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I think uh, uh, for not just, I think, uh, mature finance professionals, mm-hmm. but more uh, people who are emerging or people who are doing the qualifications, it's right. very, very important for them to know what is the impact of ESG on businesses. Mm. And as I said, ESG is so wide that yeah. it has implications at every stage, mm-hmm. uh, not just at the reporting state, at, at a shop floor level or factory level, mm-hmm. in terms of every factory person who's working at a shop floor level, what does it really mean eventually yeah. in terms of the carbon emissions, in terms of other ESG KPIs? So, mm-hmm. I think it, it it's just too wide that, you know, everybody within organizations need to get used to it, yeah, yeah. let alone finance professionals. Good, good. And then geographies. So obviously you said next 12 months, we're hoping to have, so we have Dubai, we have in DIFC, lovely, uh, Abu Dhabi, and then Riyadh as well. So is yep. the vision to be covering UAE and Saudi? Yeah, so, uh, so our, our vision is that... Uh, at an at a, at a overall global level, yeah. Unicus is present in India, US, and Middle East. Yeah. And uh, in, in US, we are present uh, both East Coast as well as West Coast. Mm-hmm. And in India, we have three different offices. Uh, in Middle East, uh, our vision is that three uh, offices, and as I said, Riyadh, Abu Dhabi, and Dubai. Yeah. Riyadh probably is going to be our biggest office okay, because good, of good. the economic yeah. uh, growth that we see as well as public spending that we see which is driving a lot of the growth for consulting market yeah i think that's going to stay until the next uh, few years good therefore we see uh, our largest office in terms of uh, a number of people is going to be riyadh and possibly that's going to be our regional uh, office yeah Uh, but as i said at the end of the year uh, we're looking at about 20 people good though our though though our the model, and I'll talk about it a little bit more, yeah. is global delivery model. Yeah. So even though we have 20 people, we'll have 20 people locally, yeah. we'll be supported by a lot of people offshore. India and America. And generally we see two-thirds of the people will be sitting in India. Yeah. And we will also be tapping into our uh, talent in the US on a yeah. need basis. Yeah. So for us, it doesn't really matter where the talent resides. Mm. As long as we have a client problem, and we have talent sitting anywhere within Unicus. We'll Into be able to tap into them. And, and that's how we are going about um, uh, delivering client problems. Uh, and solutions. just, uh, I guess, from the geography standpoint, obviously you're a new entrant into this market. But with the, you know, the India business and the American business, like how well established have they been? Have, how, how, you know, how is the market for them at the moment? Is it challenging or how, how is it all going? So India has been a smooth sailing, I would say, so far, Good. because we are already settled in India. Yeah. In fact, uh, we were the ones who, who had started accounting advisory industry in India. Yeah. When I joined KPMG, yeah. we were seven of us. And at that time, there was no industry as such. So mm-hmm. in a way, we have developed that industry over a period of time. So therefore, we know the industry very well. We mm-hmm. know the clients. We know the complexity. So therefore, it's been, it's been a smooth sailing so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Middle East also, because of my role in KPMG, I led a lot of the uh, client projects in this part of the world. Yeah. So again, that's not been uh, too difficult. Obviously, we, 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 we need to obviously ramp up uh, very fast. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, uh, so far, so good on uh, around Middle East as well. Good. US is, is, is one uh, market where we need to 
uh, we need to uh, really penetrate uh, strongly and thankfully we have been able to acquire um, and get uh, senior talent Good. from large consulting firms like KPMG and Ernst and Young and therefore on the basis of those acquisitions and some of the relationships Jamil and Sandeep our co-founders have mm-hmm. uh, i think we've had a great start Good. but we want would like the momentum to continue in the future keep going okay perfect well yeah i th- i guess the next question i'd have is more around consultancies it's a seriously competitive market uh you know we're in operation 2 years i guess in our first year it was all restructuring you know there's so many you know ano sorry anm they came in qual what came in before that the consultancy space in your game you know do you think there's space for another you know for a unicus or how was your i guess what analysis before coming in how do you think you guys can position yourself and survive in a extremely competitive market where last year for us it was a bloodbath for consultancies because everybody yeah. was just picking off each other and counter offers it was crazy so yeah how do you hope to navigate through all it's that so it's a very uh, very important question and we we debate on this quite uh, quite frequently mm-hmm. not just within within the firm but also with clients that what 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 can we offer differentiated yeah compared to the other large firms and the way we are able to differentiate ourselves is first is technology yeah i think that's an area where we are focusing really really strongly mm-hmm. just as an example we acquired a technology platform for esg reporting in the us mm-hmm. and now we are trying to you know embed that into our service offering mm-hmm. to give end to end solution to our clients not just you know opinion or advice yeah. but implementation and also enabling by technology okay similarly on accounting and reporting side we are trying to develop tools and solutions which we can offer to our clients mm-hmm. so that's one area second is the global delivery model that i talked about yeah. as i said it doesn't matter to us we are just one company uh, we are not uh, you know uh, fragmented practices owned by different partners we are just one company so it doesn't really matter whether client resides as long as we have talent that can solve client problems uh, the in you know, a geography boundaries don't really matter to good, us good, that's good, the second yeah. one yeah yeah the third one is the uh is basically the audit conflict yeah. we have oh, initially yeah. decided we are not going to be doing an audit or <laughs> yeah. attestation so for us uh, if a client has a problem we'll be able to help clients end to end yeah there's no uh, any conflict rotation model of that that's yeah exactly yeah 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 good okay good and then the big question that i i guess i'd have and i'm sure potential clients like what sort of demand drivers are for this you know for this yeah. work like who do you anticipate most your work will come from will be SMEs will be a mix of everyone but what are the pain points that maybe a, yeah. you know a CFO or someone has seen right now whether I right, right give a Dinesh a call there yeah so uh, i think it it depends uh, there are different drivers for different uh, service uh, offerings as yeah. well as uh, maturity of a company mm-hmm. so if there's a mature company and if they are doing mergers and acquisitions certainly they will need help from us mm-hmm. uh, we see a very very active market for mergers and acquisitions yeah, in yeah. the middle east and we are already working on a few engagements where let's say a listed client has acquired another company mm-hmm. so you need to go through the entire purchase price allocation process 
uh, there's a demerger of a, of a business and then uh, you know liquidation at that stage so again we get involved so mergers and acquisition is a big demand driver mm-hmm. ipo you mentioned yeah, yeah. every other company wants to do an every ipo company. in Dhabi. <laughs> and i have uh, i've been reading that riyadh and Sa- saudi markets are going to be the most active and they've been most active in the last few months okay. so ipo preparedness is going to be a big yeah, market ipo readiness yeah then the other thing is i think uh, there's a huge market for setting up policies and processes and internal control in this part of the world mm-hmm. especially the sme or high growth companies where the growth have sort of uh, outpaced yeah. the finance uh, you know department yeah. and there we see a lot of uh, scope for us to get involved uh, yeah, I, can, I can imagine up. well yeah f- from our side obviously speaking to finance people day to day i think yes the best way to describe UAE and probably Dubai more so is that everything looks pretty on the outside. You know, your shop window looks nice, but I think when you go into the companies and go through the processes, every second company's talking about doing ERP implementation for the last exactly. five years, maybe nothing still happens. So, yeah, I guess that's probably where there is a massive yeah. uh, a And massive on the ESG gap. side, I think there are, uh, as I said, uh, the regulatory focus. Mm-hmm. So ESG reporting is already mandatory in UAE. Okay, it's possibly going to become mandatory in other parts of uh, the Middle East as well, which is going to be a huge demand driver for us. Similarly, um, I think the, the the companies in general are becoming more more aware of uh, uh, the importance of ESG, mm. not just from reporting and tick in the box exercise point of view, but also from the business standpoint. And people have started to realize that there is a real value in. Uh, being compliant with ESG uh, standards and protocols. So again, we see a lot of demand coming from. And, and with the the mandatory point, then is that a certain company size, a certain revenue, or what sort of companies are you know they have to be on ESG right now? So generally, uh, we see listed companies for yeah. sure. I think there's a there's a there's an expectation, not just from the regulators. There are there there is expectations from other stakeholders as well. There are investors. Mm-hmm. Investor community has been very very active. Really? about okay. who they invest in and what kind of uh, level of ESG preparedness they would want, want to see in their investing companies. Mm-hmm. Um, there is expectation from employees, a uh, lot of expectations. Yeah, yeah. There is expo- expectation from customers, vendors. So I think if you put all of these stakeholders together, then listed companies do need to really um, comply with uh, ESG uh, you know, in some form or scope. And as I said, if the reporting is mandatory in UAE, it's going to become mandatory in other parts of uh, uh, the Middle the East as well. Yeah, yeah. If you go down the listed companies, the privately owned companies who have uh, uh, who who are going through this whole transformation process, where either they are looking for uh, a private equity investment, they're looking for mergers and acquisitions, or mm-hmm. let's say going through listing process they also need to really get into the ESG bandwagon because as I said, uh, there are a lot of importance, uh, there, is, there is importance from beyond uh, just the tick in the box yeah, yeah. from, let's say, financing. There is, a, there is a difference in financing in terms of if you're ESG compliant, uh, the sustainability link loans are, are, are expected to be cheaper than the traditional finance. So I think at every stage, there are business advantages that companies need to look for. And ESG then, uh, globally, where would you say is the most developed market for ESG? Like, where would it be? You know, as I said, this is a developing emerging market for everyone. How we position it? Um, you know, where is it in the world where it's just ESG is top of the list from priorities? I would say Europe have uh, has done uh, a far better 
job in terms of um, making their uh, countries and businesses a uh, m- bit more compliant with ESG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Middle East is still emerging in that sense. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of scope for improvement. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that uh, companies want to do the right thing and regulators uh, also uh, are pushing uh, themselves as well as companies to uh, to, to, to be uh, m- much more ESG compliant going forward. Okay, good. And then I guess going back to, you know, to expand on one of the initial questions, you know, ESG for an accountant. I'm an accountant and I say, hey, Dinesh, I want to be an ESG. What do they need to do? What can they expect? Like, how different would it be from being a day-to-day financial account, financial controller? What does that space look like? Because I know from obviously speaking to you prior to our to the chat today that you know you made the point very clear that ESG is not just accountants. You know, there's people with completely different types of profiles that would be perfect for those roles as well. So just yes. give us a flavour for the you know the type of people that could fit into you know within the ESG uh, team. Yeah, so uh, I would say I'll just share my journey a little yeah. bit in last one year. Uh, be, be, about a year ago, if you asked me a lot of questions around ESG, my understanding was, was very, very limited. Yeah. I obviously knew what it stand for yeah. and, 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 and some of the significant components. But over, over the last one year, I tried to sort of understand a little bit more around what does it mean for businesses? <laughs> what, are, what, what, do you, what does E, S and G all stand for? Mm-hmm. What are the components of these what are the standards that are relevant? Because one of the problem with ESG is there are multiple standards and yep. variation within them. So to understand just the basics of those has been a has been a fair bit of challenge, I would say. So if 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 a new finance profession want to understand uh, this space a little bit, I would say uh, this is the right time. There are a lot of uh, good documents. Uh, and uh, research papers out there which you should be reading mm-hmm. for example the sec paper on mm-hmm. esg for us is quite qu- quite a quite a nice document to read mm-hmm. plus the new standards that have been issued s1 and s2 by issb i would okay. recommend um, the finance professionals to read and understand what it would really mean okay. and how they have an implications on their businesses and plus i would say i mean there are a lot of training courses out there so do enroll for any training courses, short courses, uh, medium-term courses. And do you think as well, just again, for, for our listeners, of course, some finance people, they want to go down the consulting route, which is great, but then there's other people who say, I don't want to go down the consulting, I want to work in industry. So, as you said, this is going to come more to the forefront for companies. So, you know, if I'm a financial controller or a finance manager, there is value in understanding ESG because you're going to have consultants obviously coming in and if, it's a bit like the way tax is at the moment where this finance guy is trying to understand tax. Um, some do, some don't. But, um, you know, do you think there is scope for industry professionals as well to be getting up to speed in the space because it's going to add their value? Because let's just say they're in a job now and in a couple of years' time there's another job. And one of the questions is, what do you know about ESG? Because we report and we have to, you know, we have quite a big space. No, I totally uh, agree. Um, and... <clears throat> I think the, the the important point is currently there's a lot of uh, uh, over-reliance on consultants mm-hmm. because the understanding of uh, finance professions in the industry is quite limited. Mm-hmm. But I think that is going to change over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And if you're a controller or a, or, a, or, a, or a chief accounting officer, it's very important that you start understanding and taking interest in what is being done by consultants. If mm-hmm. you have consultants working on ESG, uh, strategy or or action plan or or reporting and and so on and so forth, uh, and as I said, there is there is in it for everybody. So yeah. it's not that 
you because your role is more to do the accounting or bookkeeping on a day to day basis rasani you know impact you because yeah, i said yeah. as i said the accounting gap reporting and non gap reporting is going to converge at some stage yeah yeah so therefore everybody in the finance organization uh, would have to understand what esg means for them and how do they need to really get onto uh, understanding it a bit more okay so read go online online training you know keep an eye out obviously connect with you guys see what's happening uh, from that side but yeah i think the other thing i did obviously notice that you know you guys are called unicus consultech so you know what's the you know the consultech piece what what's i'm i'm assuming based on earlier on you mentioned the technology the advancement you guys are making on that but if you can give our listeners listeners a bit more insight to that please yeah so consultech uh, is obviously consultancy and technology yeah. yeah yeah so one of the theses that we have is how do we really change the way consulting is done which is by the way our tagline as well mm-hmm. and one of the ways in which we think uh, we can do that is by focusing on technology mm-hmm. and uh, i give you an example of the technology platform that we acquired on esg Mm-hmm. on accounting and reporting side also we are working on quite a few very innovative solutions driven by ai ml chat gpt for example or gpt okay. yeah, yeah. Um, and those are the things i think uh, they will have transformative impact on the finance even if you look at the largest of the companies they would tell you uh, there are many areas where manual processes are still cumbersome yeah, yeah. a lot of manual efforts really go into uh, preparing very very complex excel sheets yeah yeah uh and uh, people spend huge amount of time updating it every reporting period every every now and then so we believe some of these processes need to be automated and will get automated over a period of time and how we help companies not just uh, provide co- uh, you know consulting consultancy or advice but also help them solve the problem using technologies embed the tech absolutely that's going to be a transformative impact and and because we are we are not, never going to be doing audits or or attestation we have no conflict in lending our technology to our clients yeah so th- i think that's going to be a very very important for us uh, and for the industry going forward she'll have no lawyers chasing in a couple of years if there was a a wrong signature yes absolutely at, at, at the bottom line okay so i think so we're pretty comfortable with you know what's happening but the one point i want to delve into a little bit more is the ai space yeah um you know it seems to be the hot topic definitely the last couple of months especially with chat gbt everything's panicking what jobs are going to be gone what jobs are going to be left so you know by the sounds of you guys are quite aggressively investing in ai you know to to make i guess not business easier but you know to embed yourself there but how do you see it then for accountants you know do you think it's going to get rid of 30% of a workforce or do you think it's more of a case they need to embrace it it's actually going to free people up to do more interesting stuff in the job but how would you see it and then i guess the question after that would be you know what skills do you think people should be trying to focus on yeah um, a very very uh, important question uh, especially in in these days where technology is just overtaking a lot of um, uh, the decisions that companies are making mm-hmm. uh, on investments uh, especially in the technology and finance space mm-hmm. so i i would say um, i would say there is a need for uh, automation in every level whether yeah. it's large listed companies or emerging companies and uh, i wouldn't say that technology will eventually replace every finance jobs 
mm-hmm. but as you said i think it will be a bit of both where some of the manual redundant processes yeah. uh, will will obviously get completely automated mm-hmm. while um, the human intervention will always going to be required yeah more around uh, aspects around uh, where there is a judgment required yeah. where there is uh, uh, understanding of the business or business skills that are required so i would say accounting uh, professionals or finance professionals will need to possibly become a little more business advisor yeah. type of a role than just looking at transaction and doing post facto accounting i think they will have to ba- basically uh, get into more business aspect yeah. becoming business advisor doing lot of the analytics yeah. exactly and uh, analytics will play a big role you would have data yeah which is driven by automation and 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 uh, uh, digital mm-hmm. but how do you analyze the data how do you make sure uh, the the decisions that you take are driven by data and the mm-hmm. analytics that you do so i think that 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 is going to be i think uh, a lot more uh, of a role going forward for mm-hmm. accountants and finance professionals than doing just the mundane you know updating spreadsheet and uh, cash providing the data all the good stuff yeah no uh, again my view would be i think the only concern i think for the next generation is because people interaction work from home you know they're going to be a lot more introverted uh yeah. i believe so anyway um and that's where like it's great to be able to analyze numbers but again if the sort of more mundane mm-hmm. so maybe back office roles are gone are going to be automated you need to have something about you you know you need to stand out from the crowd you need to be able to influence and i think that's probably the big thing i can see down the line which is going to be an issue for uh Gen Z or whatever these uh, next generation are going to be because the big thing we always see is people I want to work remote like working remote's great but you know you can't build relationships properly um of course some roles can be done but especially for finance as you go through the ranks yeah. you need to present you know you need to have a relationship with who you're presenting to or else it's going to be a very transactional uh conversation which is tougher um so I, I for me I think that's the the big issues I think for the the people coming through they need to work on the people skills you know out meeting people because otherwise you you can be the smartest guy but there's going to be ai that comes along that you know the thing that's very hard to do in your head this guy can do it in 2 seconds while uh you know ai can't influence the same way a conversation can um, yeah, no, i agree i think i think there's a there's a general perception as well that uh sitting just uh you know in front of your screen yeah. tires you a lot faster yeah than meeting people and general interactions that you have in the office so i am also a strong believer of um uh, maybe a mixed sort of uh, yeah no hybrid hybrid Hybrid's model good. where you have uh, some interactions in the office social interactions yeah. but at the same time being efficient as well where yeah. there's no point in driving uh two three hours just for half an hour meeting no, great. or traveling to another country just for for a couple meeting, yeah. of meetings yeah the christmas party would be very boring if uh, <laughs> there was a very little interaction so Agreed. um so before we end this episode we'd like to know more about you we'll be asking questions that would help us see the other side of dinesh so first question what's your favorite place to chill and relax in dubai <laughs> i would say my home Yeah because my favorite pastime is just spending time at home with my daughters lovely uh, with the dog that we have and generally be around uh, people uh, at home so so that's my favorite uh, part and, of dubai and, and how have your family settled in to dubai they are new to dubai yeah, so yeah. Uh, they're taking time to settle but uh, i'm very sure i think um, 
uh, with uh, we've been here uh, on on leisure before on off, so yeah. general familiarity uh, with 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 the place really helps so i'm uh, sure we will be able to settle down quickly and how's your dog settling into the dubai summers uh, uh he's finding it a little challenging <laughs> yeah. uh, what's like the dog he is husky husky oh yeah yeah very nice yeah <laughs> So he's finding it challenging, uh, but I'm sure in a couple of months' time he'll be okay. Good, yeah. Once another month or two, and we should be okay. Yes. And then next question, which you probably answered a bit in a way, but your favorite ways to spend your weekend with family or out and about? Generally with family, but um, you know, I, I kind of like uh, every now and then doing a little bit of a track or a walk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like that. So maybe maybe a weekend, maybe not in this weather for sure. Yeah. But even generally, in well, good the huskies weather. are. high energy dog so they'll, yes. they'll they'll keep you busy anyway absolutely good 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 and then your favorite country that you've been to and don't say ireland but i don't think you've been to ireland but yeah what's your favorite country uh, one of the uh, country that i visited uh, recently is norway norway and, yeah 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 and I, i completely was bowled over by the natural beauty and and, and generally the way they've preserved every every part of the country Oslo uh, you travel around uh, around oh, many wow. places big country big country yeah. big coastline so we were fortunate enough to travel uh, across the coastline it wouldn't be as populated as india oh, no, wouldn't it <laughs> a lot of green a lot of greenery a lot of uh, natural beauty so really really lo- love to be there again okay good good and then the million dollar question if you weren't the first man in kpmg to be doing financial accounting advisory When you were a child, only a few years ago, what what was the dream job? A lot of a uh, lot of kids of my age, they 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 feel that you know, flying uh, every time into uh, different countries and seeing and yeah. exploring many countries is fun. Yeah, and for me also. Not, not to be an auditor, no. Yeah, and then I wanted to be a pilot because of a that. A pilot, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. Well, look, thank you for that. Uh, and we just like to finish. We're going to give you a little present, Dinesh. So thank you very much for coming and joining us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me and lovely having a chat with My you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you, boss. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay, so guys, we hope this podcast has provided you with some useful tips and advice. So see you on our next episode. Thank you.